0: Awesome and today on the podcast I remembered to turn on share audio so you should hear the music this time. Yesterday was a disaster in the interview with my sister. uh, I'm sitting here jamming and nobody knows what the hell is talking about. Ah, Welcome to the podcast. This is the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am Scott. I am sober. I am the Sober Heathen. Uh, I got another podcast interview today, another good one. Uh, This is a friend of mine from Treatment up in Petoskey, Michigan. Um. uh, I'm really happy to have her on the podcast. Also, I'd like to mention one more time that uh, I'm gearing up to do another donation uh, this summer. For the the folks that are still up uh, at treatment in Petoskey, um, looking for swim trunks, you know, uh, anything that you think somebody getting out of jail or or heading into treatment might need, hygiene products, uh, uh, socks, shoes, it can be used, uh, as I've said many times, you cannot uh, you cannot uh, know until you're living it um, how nice it is to have a little backpack to carry your shit around or have a nice shirt to put on or a pair of shoes that aren't falling apart. How much that can help you in treatment um, and just get to the day and feel better about yourself. Give yourself a little self-confidence. So if you are interested, please get a hold of me at scott at com or thesilberheathen.com at yahoo. And uh, we'll get whatever you have to offer, and we'll get it up there, and many thanks to you. So, enough of my blabber bullshit. We will turn it over now to my guest, Misty. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Oh, man. I, if I was any better, I'd be you.
1: Oh, <laughs> <I, laughs> yeah. Okay. I, hear, I heard,
0: heard that I, I heard that one time from an old-timer, and uh, I use it. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. This is really informal. This isn't like... Um, you know, there's there's not a specific time limit, so I just want wanted to have you on to tell a little bit about your story, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. So the floor is yours.
1: Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm Misty, and I'm an addict. Um, I've been addicted to heroin for half my life. Um, it basically started when I was younger, it started um, 14 years old. I started, well, of course, smoking pot and leaded to um, pills and all that. And it just progressed. I had went through some childhood trauma and um, it kind of led me there because when I found certain things, it made me realize that it took. A lot of the pain I was experiencing and the awkwardness and more because um, I just never really fit in it seemed like with the people. Um, I always tried too hard to be accepted and it was usually in the wrong places and um, it just led me to destruction. I had my first kid at 17 years old and um after I had him, it was like I took off right where I had stopped. And I ended up losing custody of him eventually. <clears throat> I before that I had another kid and he passed away in his sleep from Sid's and um as Somewhere between then and there, them knowing that I've been a drug addict and, you know, dealing with this my whole life because I was in a small town, um, they gave, they realized that I was using, and they ended up, after he passed away, I lost my older son, and um, things took off from there, I... Got even worse than my addiction. And um, it, it was like the only thing that made me feel I was like, my whole family was gone within 24 hours. It seemed like everything was ripped away from me. And even my damn cat ran away, and somebody else had taken ownership of it. And like, just it sounds crazy, but all of it literally fell apart. And so my addiction took off. Um, My son passed away. It would be in, it was March 26th and it was 2010, 2011, sorry. So I got back into my addiction and let me see, I found out later on that summer that I was pregnant again and um so I had stopped well uh from all this stuff I had done prior I didn't know I was pregnant for a good month or so and I got clean on my own at my aunt's house and one day I woke up and I felt really funny and I'm like what the hell is going on it felt like detox all over again and i went to the hospital and come to find out i had a blood infection and most people don't know they have those and i almost died but um i ended up not and so i went through that and my son now is going to be 11 years old so you know i made it through that pregnancy somehow by the grace of god and um, so I did what I had to do because they took him away for the first year of his life. But I ended up starting to drink in the meantime. And um, well, you know how it goes. I ended up after I got him back, it seemed like it was a few months later and my mom passed away. And my addiction took off again. It was the only way I knew how to deal with it. And um, it was like, it was, it turned in, of course, again, to, it was really bad. And I knew there was a force trying to stop me, but I went against it. And I went, I went for a long while. And then I was like, uh, I ended up getting in some trouble. I ran from the law there, ended up somewhere else, getting sober again, but then I found um I started doing cratom, thinking it was gonna help me get off the drugs and um, so I really wasn't staying clean and I was in a really bad like uh a relationship. I got married and Shortly after my mom passed away, and it was to a guy I knew half of my life, like my high school sweetheart, and he went to prison when we were kids, and I stayed in contact with him the whole time, and um, decided to marry him when he got out, and um, so he didn't realize how bad I was until... You know, one day it came out and um, he dealt with it. It was like he used that as almost a power, like, fine, you can do it. He went out and made the money and fed the addiction, but he wanted to control it, you know. And so, well, I ended up moving up north with one of my good, you know, she was one of my best friends. And I got clean there, like I was saying. <clears throat> and I was so miserable. I remember waking up, like, with a clear mind and realizing, like, what did I do with my life? Um, I realized how much I couldn't stand the guy I married. I didn't realize how toxic it was until I got sober. I remember calling my aunt and asking her, has it always been this bad? Like, (laughs) am I crazy? Did I just wake up and like, he's always been like this or what? She's like, are you serious? (laughs) She's like, it's always been this bad. He's always been controlling, wanting to know everything you're doing and when you're going to be home. And I did not realize it was like I was asleep this whole time and I woke up and I'm trying to get sober at home with this man who's constantly down my, you know, breathing over me and not giving me any room. And I ended up catching a domestic violence because I snapped in the process of, um, you know, trying to get clean by myself is not a good idea. Um, I do not recommend detoxing at home and um <clears throat> so after that you know i did get okay for a little while but like i said i turned to kratom cuz i'm like well this is legal and it's helping me stay clean and it's um like a herb so what am i doing you know it's a natural remedy i thought and so that became an issue You know, because as addicts, we seem to, anything that you can abuse, it seems like that's what we do. And so that got out of hand, too. And I, we went from up north back down to Jackson, Michigan, and there, it's like, I lost myself. I had stopped doing that and stopped doing drugs and all that. But like I said, I never got any type of help for like drug addiction and all that. I always knew like I had issues like with depression, you know, and stuff like that. So I always got treated for that, but never like touched base with my um, drug addictions And so I was barely like, I dropped, I don't know, like 20 pounds, maybe more. And there was a point where it was like, I couldn't even walk because I was so weak because I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was just so damn miserable. But I wanted to stay with this man because that's what my kid wanted. And I did not want him to grow up with a broken family even though the guy I married wasn't his dad his dad went to a federal penitentiary and so the guy I married it was when my kid was you know very young and he accepted him so that was the only dad he knew and I didn't want my kid to lose that so I Mm -hmm. dealt with it and um it was worse in the end because it was like my aunt told me one day me and um my ex, we were walking down the store and we were at my aunt's and we were walking back and my kid looked out the window and said, Oh great, mom and dad are fighting and my aunt's like, How do you know? They're not even saying anything to each other. He's like, I know and we were and my aunts like you know what's a problem when your kid he's like 8 years old and knows what's going on and he's trying to fix things and it it wasn't good so i ended up leaving like just one night i just packed up and left and then i stayed with that same friend and then i ended up leaving back to him And this went on a few times. And I even remember specifically one day me praying to God to show me a sign that we're not supposed to be together. I did. And he ended up taking off to Texas. (laughs) And oh, (laughs) sign. I know. And that didn't stop me because lo and behold, like, you know, Christmas was coming and you need to come back home visit our son and we fell back together the last time I took off was the last time and let me tell you it hurt so bad for months I laid on this friend's couch and said one day he's gonna come back I just know it and I could not date anybody I I just I wanted nothing to do with any other man I I still acted like he was right there. I would still call him and ask him like for certain things and just weird. And at that time, he ended up getting with someone and getting them pregnant. And I was still like, it's okay. He's going to come back, you know, delirious. But in the process, I'm staying with this woman who's a drug addict. And You know, I was so broken. I'm like, screw it. Um, I ended up relapsing. And it took off. And this time, too, I was doing math And I said I would never do that. And um, I had eventually lost my mind even more because my heart was broke. Um, I was basically homeless, a single mother with my son asking me, Basically, why can't you and dad just get along and tell me I ruined his life? And I knew that if he stayed with me, it would just get worse. So I signed guardianship off over to my aunt before I got him taken away. I had told her that I'm deep in my addiction and this would be best. And so she knew what happened with me losing my oldest son she said I'll never allow that to happen again and she took him and so he was gone and I moved to a shelter and I had a few months clean and lo and behold you always seem to find people just like you wherever you go and I ended up calling everybody out of the crowd this one girl me and her had so much in common, had been through the same things. And I ended up going right back into what I, I knew. And um, it just wasn't good until I ended up getting in trouble because I was sitting in this house. And this girl was acting really funny that I used to go to. Well, the police came there. And I'm like, what the hell? Well, she ended up getting in trouble for stealing, and I was on bond at the time, and so I thought it would be a good idea because I knew, like, I'm not supposed to have any police contact, hang out with any felons. I'm not supposed to – all this stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing, I was doing, and they caught me red handed So I'm standing there, and they told me I couldn't go back in the room to get my things, and I'm like, fine. I have no shoes on. I said, I need to go downstairs and get some coffee. I go downstairs, get some coffee, and I took a few sips and asked the front desk person why he called the cops. He said he didn't. And I booked it out the back door. And I ended up running, literally, and I hear police sirens and like so I ended up getting away from that situation and one of my friends came and got me at a bus stop like I was still in the same town and she's like why don't you have any shoes on (laughs) and I'm like it's a long story and she's like fair enough do you need cigarettes I'm like yes and so I didn't want to tell her what happened but they ended up going up to my job and that girl I was talking about she called my one friend and was like, you know what Misty did? And she's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I didn't want you to know. Like, you knew I was in some shit, but the less you know, better off. So I, in the process, was going to sign up to, like, go to a methadone clinic. And I had called to rehab, and I'm like laying on this couch for like two weeks feeling like I'm dying like the witch all was so bad and um I'm like okay here's the deal At whichever one calls me first is what I'm doing and the rehab I called them you know one week and It was like a three-week waiting or something. So I kept calling them. You still got a spot open for me, right? And so my date came up and I came up here. And when I came here, I was so scared and I was crying when I walked through those doors. But there was like a sense, almost a sense of peace, but I still was not in reality. Um. I still thought I was in a, I don't know, I was getting kidnapped. Weird shit. I was so not in tune with reality. I thought everybody was working with some type of something to come kill me or whatever. (laughs) Weird. And so I got out of that fog and, you know, I did about 90 days and impatient and when I first got here I was so bitter and fought against everything they said and, and angry and you know I had so much opinions and they pushed me and pushed me and like I had to sit there I knew you know I had warrants out for me and I had this court shit I wasn't dealing with and I'm like, fuck it. So I would like zone out when they would start getting on me. And they were so impressed on how like the changes I made that I've been here since July nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Um I've been at the tea house for a while and this December, this last December, they offered me a job here, and um, so I'm now teching and no a tea house manager.
0: So, awesome! Congratulations.
1: Yeah, so I've been clean since. I'm coming up on two years.
0: That is awesome. So yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah so you're still at the, so the tea house is transitional living. Just for anybody that doesn't know what that means. So, like, Harbor Hall is – it's got a house right on site. And I I think they have, like, a bigger building open now, don't they?
1: Yeah, for men. Okay. And they shut down the men's side. They're going to make that, um, like, the females.
0: Uh, Well, good luck cleaning that. I spent a lot of time over there. That's a a shit show.
1: (laughs) Well, they're uh, tearing everything up and out of
0: way. Thank God. Right on. Right on. Well, that's awesome. So – Obviously, you had so. So, how long have you been sober? I wanted to make sure we get that out there.
1: It's been a year and a half this year. It's going to be July 19th. It's going to be two years now.
0: That is awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. So, you, Thank you, so in your story, you told several times that you tried to get clean, you tried to do things. So, obviously, you wanted it. What do you think was what was it what what finally helped you turn the corner to coming into a year and a half, two years of sobriety what was what finally did it? was it harbor hall um, what what was it?
1: Oh well, do you mean like what made me basically surrender to come here
0: or what well what when when did you feel like something had changed and you were heading into full recovery?
1: I was about four months into being sober before I came out of a fog, and it yeah. was because Harbor Hall, I pushed, 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 and fought, and they did not, they didn't give up on me, and they told me, I know that's what you're used to, Messy, but we're not doing it, so...
0: Yeah and I think that's important too uh 4 months before you started to come out of the fog uh, you know a lot of people think 30 days and and out you're you're fixed and I guess some people can do that um but you know it, 60 days wasn't enough well 28 days wasn't enough for me the first time 60 days wasn't mm-hmm. enough for me the second time and then 250 total days in in a calendar year <laughs> Wasn't enough. It took another thirty days at another treatment center for me to for what happened at Harbor Hall to actually uh, kick in. So uh, I don't. I'm assuming you agree that it's best to give it a full shot the first try if you really want it. You know what I mean?
1: Um, I mean, and that's what I tell camp uh, clients. I say don't put a number on it. I said because thirty days ain't shit. Like you need to sit the fuck down and do what they tell you to do. Because I did not come out of a fog until well, sometime later it finally clicked. And I'm like, I'm worth it. There's more to life than just addiction and chaos.
0: So So what do you know off the top of your head? Not to put you on the spot, and it's okay if you don't know off the top of your head. But I know a lot of times I talk about if you stay in treatment for 30 days, there's this percentage of success rate, 60, and then then the 90-day, you know what that is, ballpark?
1: Um, not like all the, I wish I did the whole yeah. percentage, but I know that there's more, yeah, it, yeah, like the 90 days is what they really want you to do. Cause there's more of a chance of you staying clean if you stay the whole 90 and do what they tell you to do. And then yeah. the, I think it's important too, with the transitional living, to do that because it shows you how to deal with outside reality with the you know the specialists who know what they're doing you can go to
0: right you kind of have a normal life you know you can get a job but you're coming back to a place that is full of support and you know family can be support but uh Typically, in addiction, we've been able to pull the wool over their eyes a, a lot. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I, I can't speak for everybody. For me, I was able to do that uh, pretty damn well, and until I couldn't. But that support system is huge, and it's a scary thought to be away from your family. But for me, it wasn't. It, it didn't start to stick until I committed that this is committed to knowing this is what I needed to do. And yeah. I mean, I think you are a fantastic example of that coming up. You've been there for this long. I mean, that is putting, that's determination. That is, that is setting a goal and that is following through. And I think that's, I think that's why I wanted you on the podcast because that not only for, for men, but women too, you know, you have, you have, you know, children out there, you have family out there, but Mm -hmm. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you would agree that you're of no use to anybody if you ain't right.
1: That's exactly. And I've never done anything productive for myself. I've always put in my, my family and, you know, my kids first. And if I don't take care of me, I am no good to no nobody in society, let alone my family.
0: Sure. And I think that is the, the most important thing, people to get mm-hmm. is you are not going to be able to do this for anybody else um, until you want it for yourself. I I shouldn't say that there's no definitives. Okay. There's there's some people that can go to treatment because their wife's mad and then they can leave treatment and then everything's fine. There are some people that can do yeah. that. But but for the most part when you're as bad as I was there was no way that I could do it for anybody else because mm-hmm. they were going to disappoint me somehow or I was going to find a reason that they disappointed me so I could go back and drink.
1: Exactly. And that's why, you know, it's so hard being away from my kid. It's so hard being away from my family. But at the same time, they have been triggers for me in the past too. And when I was in residential, I probably made like five phone calls to them, you know. So
0: that's a great point. Now, was that, was that intentional?
1: Yes, because there would be times when I would be yelling and screaming and wanting to leave because, you know, I was fighting with my kid's dad or something stupid, you know, and I just yeah. couldn't do it. I, that's, I'm so
0: glad you said that, too. That's another great point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why Harbor Hall, for example, um, you can only make phone calls Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, you can't call during the week because you're working hard throughout the week. You got lectures all day. You got group therapy, you know, you got your singles groups and stuff. They want you focused on that. And that's the only way. Mm-hmm. And it was, I know I hated Friday, Saturdays and Sundays because it was just a shit show. They're People and screaming at, at their, it's like, why are you even calling? And you know uh, I had a sponsor at the time and, and uh, he told me not to call my ex fiance, not to call my kids because it was just getting me worked up. And so I didn't do that for a while. And I, I don't know about you, but right now, you know, I haven't seen my, my twin boys um, since like September, October of 2021. I have not seen them in person. I talk to them on the phone. Now <clears throat> we play video games online together. So a relationship is building. Um, and, and some people are like, how can you go that long without seeing your kids? Well, it's for me, nice. I've never felt better about Mm -hmm. myself and that relationship will come and i've i've gotten to a point in my recovery where if it doesn't then i have to be okay with that What, what do you think
1: i mean we did it to ourselves and you know people don't get how i've been away from my kid for so long too and it hurts and i don't like it but at the same time i've done i've also done a lot of damage and i think I can prove myself better, even, you know, talk, video chatting with him. He knows there's a difference.
0: Sure. Mm. Yeah. What people have to understand is when you take this time for yourself, a lot of people are going to say you're being selfish, you're you're doing all these things. You have to be, because if you go back before you're ready, you're not going to be around anyway you know, we have lost, excuse me. I don't know how many people, you know, but uh, I know four people since I was in Harbor hall beginning of last year that have died. And so what good are we if we're, if we're, if we go back too early to do, to, to be there for loved ones. And then we, we go back to use and we end up in the grave. We're, we're of no use. So I think, I think it's important. And it's, you know, mothers uh, carry a heavier burden than fathers, I, I think, you know, um, I, I think just from, you know, what I hear people and, and the way they talk, mothers are held to a higher standard, you know, yeah. um, you, you know, and so I think your message is very important because you are doing the right thing and you are there, you know, you talk to your, your 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 son and and you're going to be there in the future. And that's the most important part, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. You know, you've seen me have plenty of meltdowns about it. It's not easy. No. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) it's worth it.
0: Yeah. One day you're going to be Grandma Misty, and you're going to be 100% (laughs) there for it, right? (laughs) I hope so. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Any more notes that I wrote down here? Um, Oh, another good point, too, uh, that you said that I think is worth uh, regurgitating here is Meth. I I said I would never do meth. Mm-hmm. You know. So, how many times in, in treatment do have we heard people say that I was never, you know, I you know I know for me in the alcoholic side is like ah, I'm, I'm never going to drink vodka. That shit's disgusting. I'm never. And, yeah. and by the end, I was drinking a half gallon a day of vodka.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know. What I mean.
1: It's crazy because you get so desperate. Like if you don't have. The thing that's like your go-to drug and somebody has you know something like hey we'll do this it'll be it's not that but it'll fix you know some of it the symptoms so you know I'm like fuck it and you hang out with a certain setting eventually you're going to be open to doing those things that you said you would never do right on right on um,
0: and Something else you said, too, uh, you said you never really got help for the addiction part of it. So when you say that, what do you mean by not getting help for the addiction part of it? Are you talking about the uh, withdrawals or are you talking about the mental side?
1: No, because I've always battled with um, mental disorders like extremely ADHD, ADD, you know, depression and like the list goes on. So when I was feeling bad, even in my addiction, I always thought I need to take care of my mental status sure. and that will fix everything, you know, cause I'm basically medicating myself with other things and I never really understood addiction too much. I thought I could just quit and be sober. That's all. So right. that's what I meant by that, you know, <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I think the I think the big book talks about how the substance is but a symptom of underlying issues. Yeah. So you got you can't just uh, quitting the substance is not going to solve the problems. There's there's you got to figure out the the why. There's always a why. Sure, it's genetic. I'm a fourth generation alcoholic. Um, there's genetics involved too, but there were a lot of issues that I had to face that I didn't want to face, and mm-hmm. I convinced myself that they weren't there. Um, So with sober living, you've obviously been there a long time. So somebody that's thinking about going into sober living, uh, what you got for pros and cons on that?
1: Well, it's hard being with people all the time, you know, and you can feel like sometimes I can walk out on the porch, just the porch and feel in the air when things are heavy or it's going to be. You know, that's the hardest part for me is being able to detach other people's emotions, like because I'll take them on because yeah. I can feel them, and I think that's one of the major things that I deal with. That's still hard to sure. figure out. So,
0: what for? So, somebody going into sober living and they're having the same problem. What are some things that you do to to help get yourself I through
1: walk- that? I I walk. Um, I'll call my sponsor. Sometimes I just come in my room and I'll, you know, lay down and you know watch something on my phone to take my mind off of it. Like, <laughs> rather it's just fifteen minutes or so. Um, it's it's not bad because at the same time we're all passionate. A lot of us are passionate about getting sober. So, we can also hold each other up and let each other know when we are struggling or having a hard time, so
0: sure, so that's I mean that would be a huge pro right i mean mm-hmm. you're you're all going through the same thing. it's like you know the first reaction is to go pick up um yeah. when you have a shooty day, but to come home and 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 be able to to talk to people and and work it out um so I'll let you go with this. I know that uh, you're obviously a busy being working at Harbor Hall. Again, congratulations yeah. for that. That's awesome. Um, I, oh, my first time through uh, and, and tre- how many treatments did you go to? Is this the first treatment?
1: Um, I went, I was court ordered to go to one a long time ago. Well, actually two. And I lasted a week. And because of the withdrawals, the stuff I go through mentally, I I had to leave. But this one's different. So this is basically the only treatment I've done. Right on, right on.
0: Um, I completely lost my train of thought. Of where I was I going with that one? Well, I Sorry. think you know that's no, our. That's not your fault. It's I'm still probably in a fog, so to speak. Mm-hmm. My. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Harbor hall. And I guess if you're listening, um, and you're in the Michigan area, that is definitely a place that I'd suggest I owe them my life. Um, um and obviously, uh, for women, there's a lot of uh, resources up there, right? I mean, you, yeah. uh, the sober living is, uh, you, there's some special funding for that, right? For women. Yeah. up at, Yep. So if, if you're, um, if you're a woman and you're struggling with addiction, I mean, I'd I don't think you can do any better in the state of Michigan, but that's my own personal opinion. I know, obviously, it's working out for Misty, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And I always tell people if they're struggling, please, please call me and I will find a way to get you here. so
0: Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Um, it was yeah. always good to sit around and and bullshit, you know, the three of us, four of us, whatever me, me, you and Eric and have a good time. And I still got that video where he's hiding in the bushes, scaring the shit <laughs> out of you. It's, I know. It, it's good to reminisce <laughs> about that. So. I um, miss you. Yeah. it. I mean, it's, you form, you form quite a connection with people up there because you know, it's a shit show for all of us mentally and, and physically and, trying to learn how to adjust and, you know, have
1: and, fun too. And, and,
0: <laughs> yeah. And try to have fun. Yeah. And and you get into treatment and you, and you make a, a lot of bonds and sometimes they stick and sometimes they don't, but uh, I'm glad we've stayed in contact. And I, I, uh, this podcast is important to me, so I appreciate you coming on and I know people are listening, Misty. I mean, I've, I've had people from Arkansas, Georgia, Canada, Kansas city, I've had all kinds of guests that are that are picking up and and wanting to come on here and tell their story. And it's very important. You know, you never know who's going to hear Misty tell her story and hear the confidence and happiness and relief and strength in your voice. So thank you.
1: Thank you. It's amazing. I appreciate you. And I'm happy that you're doing well. It's amazing. So. Well, one day at a time, right? (laughs) That's all we can do. That's the (laughs) only way we can do it. (laughs)
0: All right, my friend. Well, take care and stay in touch, and um, I will get you the link to this podcast shortly. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a great one.
1: You too. Bye.